This is Women of Grace Live, discussing issues important to your life and faith. Spiritual insight, practical wisdom. Join us as we transform the world one woman at a time. Women of Grace, for such a time as this. Now, here's your host, Johnette Williams. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Women of Grace Live. I am Johnette Williams. Very happy to have you with us today. I certainly am. Looking forward to hearing from you today as we continue to discuss issues of importance to your life and faith. That's what we do Monday through Friday at this same time uh, on Women of Grace Live. We certainly do hope that you plan on joining us as often as you can. I'd love you to join us every single day, and I love when you call in. So let me give you that toll-free number to use if you're here in North America. It's 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. I look forward to hearing from you, and so does Matthew Gubensky. He is our call screener, and he will be answering the phone today and getting you up on the board so that we can have that holy conversation together live here on Women of Grace Live. We're available for you, too, out there at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page, asking you to use the chat feature there to put in your question or comment, insight, inspiration, or word of encouragement, and we will address it on the air. Michael McCall, I do believe, is the one gathering all of those uh, beautiful, beautiful comments that you leave for us there and getting them up on the board, and we will be able to address you. We have Rich Jesse, man in those controls there on campus at EWTN today, making the show happen for you. So I want to give him credit for all of the good work that he does, and the same for Michael, the same for Matt, the same for all of the radio uh, people there at EWTN. 833-288-EWTN is the way that you can join us here. That's 833-288-398. Six. Well, here we are, and um, we are coming up on rounding out uh, uh, our first step into Lent. I hope that your Lent is going well. I was thinking about my Lent this morning in my time of prayer, and uh, when I came up here, uh, you know, to to begin the show, I saw here on my desk the Divine Mercy in My Soul, which is the uh, Diary of St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, and a beautiful, beautiful book. And I opened it up, and there was something here that really struck my attention, and I thought that I would share it with you. Uh, as we start our program today, see how this sits with you. Uh, I found it instructional for me. And it's in a paragraph 904, 904. And this is Jesus talking to his daughter, Faustina. And he says, uh, he says this to her, My daughter, you give me most glory by patiently submitting to my will. And you win for yourself greater merit than that which any fast or mortification could ever gain for you. Know, my daughter, that if you submit your will to mine, you draw upon yourself my special delight. This sacrifice is pleasing to me and full of sweetness. I take great pleasure in it. There is power in it. Isn't that a beautiful thing that Jesus is saying here? Uh, He's reminding us of the centrality of what our spiritual life is meant to be. He's doing this through the words that he gave to St. Faustina and the words that we receive by way of the diary. My daughter, and of course you could say son too, you give me most glory by patiently submitting to my will. 
There's a lot there, isn't there? First off, look at the attitude and disposition of heart that we are to have. We are to have patience, patience with ourselves, but also another disposition of heart to be obedient to the will of God, to submit our will to his will, submitting what we want to do to what the Lord would have us do, submitting all of those ways in which we are stubborn, all of those ways in which we are focused on what it is that our agenda says, all of those ways in which we allow ourselves to be tied up in the pressure of the world and what the world would have us to do. Jesus is saying to Faustina, and hence through her to you and me too, you give me most glory. Notice that. Isn't that beautiful? How do we give the Lord most glory? He answers by patiently submitting to my will. And because our Lord cannot be outdone in generosity, there is a promise that comes with that. And you win for yourself great merit. He says greater merit than that which any fast or mortification could ever gain for you. So of key importance to the Lord is the submission of our will to the divine will. It is greater than any fast or mortification that we could ever enjoin upon ourselves. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because the question that I would ask with regard to this, just for meditation, a pondering question that I'm sure that I will take back into prayer with me at some point today, is this. How is it then that we learn this submission of will? And I think that we have it right there in that very first sentence of of this beautiful word that our Lord gives to Faustina. How do we do it? We do it by way of fasting and mortification. (laughs) But that which the fasting and mortification produces, submission to the will of God, is what gives him the greatest glory. Oftentimes, especially in the Lenten season, we're very focused on fasting and mortifying ourselves. That's a good thing. That's a very good thing. Holy Mother Church encourages us to do so. But that's not the end. That's a means. And what is the means? The means is to the end. And that end, as Jesus so well states here, is patience, submission, uh, patient submission of our will to God's will. Again, another promise comes forth. Know, my daughter, that if you submit your will to mine, you draw upon yourself my special delight. Well, it should delight us just in knowing that we're delighting the Lord, but the Lord doesn't keep those delights for himself. The soul experiences those delights. It becomes something that is um, uh, alive within us, those delights of the Lord. We feel the Holy Presence there, and we feel his joy. Leon Blois, uh, uh, a French uh, philosopher, makes the statement that the infallible sign of the presence of God, another translation says, another, the infallible sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit is joy. Joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God, the infallible sign of the Spirit of the living God. 
And joy is a felt reality. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit that is felt in the soul. He says, this sacrifice is pleasing to me and full of sweetness. I take great pleasure in it. And then he says, there is power in it. So with that in mind, how is your Lent going? We can talk about that and anything else that you want to talk about today. Just give us a call here, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. That's the way that you can join us live here on Women of Grace Live, where we do love having holy conversation with you. Pick up the phone, give us a call. We're also available for you out there at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Your comment, retrieved by Michael McCall, hits our board and we'll discuss it. Coming right back after the break. Stay with us. Join in on the conversation. The Women of Grace phone lines are open. 1-833-288-EWTN 1-833-288-3986 Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Women of Grace Live. I am Johnette Williams. Very happy to be with you today. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. Our phone lines are lighting up. We've got a comment out there from uh, YouTube. We're looking forward to hearing from all of you either through social media or by way of phone lines. Let me give you that number to use. Toll free for you here in North America, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. We're also available for you out there at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page. So we invite you to use all of those means. Lisa Marie out there on YouTube, she says this, please pass along to Johnette, Perfect for what she is sharing right now. I will attempt, and this is a quote that she gives to us, St. Gabriel Posenti says, I will attempt day by day to break my will into pieces. I want to do God's holy will, not my own. That's spoken by a saint. And you know, it reminds me of the fact that that is the attitude that is the attitude that saints have. They want to do the will of God. They've discovered something. They've discovered that in doing God's will, there is peace, there is joy, there is fulfillment. We think that we can find those things in all kinds of ways outside of the will of God, or maybe just marginalizing the will of God. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll go to mass on Sunday. Yeah, I'll go to confession at least once a year. I mean, and, and then we wonder why things are haywire in our life. God wants all of us, not a part of us, not a portion of us. He's to be the center, not not marginalized to the side. He's to be the one, the fulcrum. He's to be the one who 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 opens our life, right, and gives us that abundant life. But we long for that, and so one of the things, and one of the beautiful reminders of Lent is this submission of the will. And we heard that in that beautiful quotation that I read. I'll probably read it again before we're done. Uh, But all of that being said, you know, where are we in that process? And that's the question I ask myself. Where are you in that process, Johnette? You know, to what extent do you truly submit your will? One of the ways in which we submit our will to God is by submitting our will to those who are in authority over us. (laughs) 
Now that we don't like. <laughs> as long as submitting our will to God, you know, remains sort of like something that is in our mind and imagination, you know, <laughs> we can kind of create what we think God's will is. Well, you know, where does the rubber meet the road? And all of the saints say this too, by submission to those in authority over us. We're talking about legitimate authority, of course, but by submitting ourselves to authority over us. All of the great saints submitted themselves to the authority over them. How are we measuring up there? Oh boy, that could sting. <laughs> that could sting to consider. Uh, let's go to the phone lines here. We have Marie with us. She is in Williamsville, New York this morning, listening to us via Station of the Cross. Good morning to you, Marie. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm dandy. Thank you for asking. Uh, well, I don't know if this fits in with the theme um, for today, but um, I believe it was on Monday. I caught the end of your program, and somebody had was saying something about praying for the saints. Okay. Uh, the, the, excuse me, the holy souls in purgatory. Yes. And, and, and I, I thought this might be interesting for some of the listeners. Um, in uh, Susan Tassoni's book, 30-Day Devotions for the Holy Souls, on page 48, St. Ambrose said, All that we offer to God in charity for the dead is changed into merit for ourselves, and we shall find it increased a hundredfold after our death. I think that's amazing. It is amazing. St. Ambrose, I think, uh, gave us some tremendous insight into the final things. And I believe it was St. Ambrose who uh, uh, also encouraged us to pray for the holy souls. Uh, he said something like this, and I had this on uh, the prayer card uh, of of my son, his memorial card. And, um, and I'm not going to get it exactly right, and I, I don't think I can uh, try to find it uh, specifically at this moment, but it was, it was um, something to the effect like this, um, uh, let us not fail to conduct by our prayers the holy souls for whom we prayed while they were with us, uh, something to that extent. And what, us, uh, what a beautiful, beautiful reminder that is for us uh, to pray for the holy souls. That book of Susan Tassoni's, that that thirty day meditation book, I must tell you, uh, was an absolute grace to me, Marie, uh, when I lost my son. That book came out prior to that, and I, and I went to that book, and there were so many. I, you know, so many beautiful quotations in there that uh, Susan encouraged us to take into our time of prayer. And, and I found it a, a marvelous companion uh, to uh, accompany me through those very, very early days of, of uh, after his loss. And um, there was another quote in there that's very important to me too, Marie. Maybe you've seen this one. And it says this, this is St. John the 23rd. And I have quoted this frequently here on the air, um, and it's a beautiful one. He says, our loved ones are not separated from us, only invisible to us. Our loved ones yeah. are not separated yeah. from us, only invisible to us. Have you come across that one? Of course. I've used, I lost a son also years oh, ago. I'm so sorry. And I, and I have used this book for, for years. Um, yeah. Every day I take it to Mass with me. Um, and it, it, it's been a, a treasure for me. Yes. It's been a treasure. 
Yes. Well, you know, losing a child is is probably the greatest grief that anyone can experience. And uh, I'm coming up on Simon's 20th anniversary of his death in March. This time of the year, you know, is always very poignant for me. My thoughts turn uh, always to him and, and to my late husband because I lost both of them during the Lenten season. So Lent, no matter when it happens, you know, uh, is very meaningful to me. But uh, I can say honestly that those quotes from that book that Susan gave to us continue to inspire me. And I continue to recall them, especially in those moments when those waves of grief, you know, come catapulting over you. Um, that one from uh, John the 23rd, especially. And of course, uh, you know, the, the, the reminder to pray for the holy souls always. And I'm sure you pray for your son each and every day, as do I. Absolutely. And also the, uh, the um, Gregorian masses, I think they're so powerful. Uh, I've had those said for everybody in my family who's died. Yes, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, we uh, are so uh, very much appreciative for Gregorian Masses that we've entered into a relationship with Monsignor Matthew Odong, uh, who is the Vicar General of the Archdiocese of Gulu in northern Uganda. And we offer, uh, through him uh, and, and all of the priests there in the diocese, uh, we uh, offer people an opportunity to have Gregorian Masses celebrated for their loved ones uh, or a, a single Mass living deceased for any intention. So uh, um, I'm glad that you've had those Gregorian masses celebrated for your son. Uh, it brought me great consolation to do the same. And uh, friends, I can tell you that it, it will bring you great consolation, uh, great consolation for you. And let me just say, very great spiritual benefit uh, for the soul of, of the one whom you love. All of that's explained at our website. You can get out there to womenofgrace.com. You'll see a button there, uh, you know, right on the homepage over to the right, need a mass. It says, click on that. Uh, it'll explain uh, to you about what Gregorian masses are and single masses. And uh, you can actually uh, request the mass right there. And uh, we, uh, on a regular basis, <laughs> every week, uh, are sending those requests off, sometimes more often than that, uh, to Monsignor Matthew. Uh, it's a, a spiritual work of mercy to pray for our dead. Uh, and in the case of, of this particular uh, offering on our website, it's also a corporal work of mercy because the priests in the Archdiocese of Gulu uh, do not receive any stipend or compensation. Uh, their, their capacity to provide for their own needs largely comes through uh, these masses. So, you know, we, we are very much uh, appreciate uh, the opportunity to be of service to them in that way and to service of all of you as well. So, well, Marie, thank you so very, very much for uh, that beautiful quote that you gave to us from uh, St. Ambrose. It, it We like to receive calls and questions about any numbers of things here on Women of Grace Live. So thank you for calling in this morning. I so appreciate it. Thank you and God bless. God bless you too. 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. That is the way that you can join us live here on Women of Grace Live, where, as I tell you, we love to have that holy conversation with you. All of the phone lines are currently open for you. Let's fill them up, right? Matthew Gubensky needs to work hard. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to fill up those phone lines, 833-288-3986. So let me read that quote again, see if it sparks anything in you. Uh, perhaps you're struggling right now to surrender your will to the Lord. 
In what way? You know, uh, think about that for a moment as I read. Again, this is Jesus to St. Faustina, my daughter. You give me most glory by patiently submitting to my will, and you win for yourself greater merit than that which any fast or mortification could ever gain for you. Know, my daughter, that if you submit your will to mine, you draw upon yourself my special delight. This sacrifice is pleasing to me and full of sweetness. I take great pleasure in it. There is power in it. Interestingly enough, right after that, St. Faustina writes this in her diary, and uh, she writes several things here that I think are quite beautiful. She says this, Examination of conscience, continuation of the same, to unite myself to the merciful Christ, practice interior silence, that is, strict observance of silence. And here she's, I think, taking the word that Jesus spoke and finding the way in which she can apply it, and that is through an examination of conscience. Taking that word into an opportunity for prayerfully looking at the way in which we organize our lives, holding up to the standard that Jesus gives us, this submission to his will, holding up to that, uh, all that uh, we do and say and think. And then she looks for a way to begin to make a resolution. And she comes upon this interior silence. We only hear the voice of God speaking to us in the interior silence of our soul, right? Those special words of communication. Of course, we hear his voice in sacred scripture proclaimed through the word of God. But in those intimate moments, in those intimate moments, communicating something very special to us, it's through that practice of interior silence. Here's another, uh, I think, very good pointer from her, something that we might want to take into our Lenten season. Paragraph 906. In difficult moments, writes the saint, I will fix my gaze upon the silent heart of Jesus, stretched upon the cross, and from the exploding flames of his merciful heart will flow down upon me power and strength to keep fighting. So how is it that she's going to gird herself up for the ability to keep fighting the good fight? I will fix my gaze upon the silent heart of Jesus, stretched upon the cross, and from the exploding flames of his merciful love will flow down upon me power and strength to keep fighting. What faith had she? And we can be certain that she implemented all that she speaks of in her diary. 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Nancy out there in Cleveland, Ohio, with us today, listening to us via The Rock. Good morning to you, Nancy. Good morning. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. Thank you. Good. Go ahead. Okay. Here's the situation. Uh, I spoke with you uh, probably a year ago, January, and you wanted me to keep you posted on what was happening. Um, My uh, great niece, her name's Ariana, she, um, her mom was a drug addict, and so guardianship was given to her parents who back in 2021, both of them passed away. And then 
So guardianship was given to my sister who lives out of state. And uh, January of a year ago, January, she developed stage four cancer. She passed away in uh, that that same year in 23 in uh, April. And so right now my, um, my, uh, uh, her, uh, my sister's husband is caring for the little girl. He's got guardianship and, you know, he doesn't feel he's the right person to be uh, taking care of her. And so he, even though he's doing a fantastic job with her, um, but anyhow, so he, we're in the process of trying to have her come to Cleveland and uh, my sister is supposed to get guardianship of her, you know, this summer. Uh, and so, but with, she's in her 70s, and she's not a spry 70s. But uh, so my other sister's supposed to help her out. I can't do much because I have a severe back problem. But anyhow, so that's the issue is um, making sure that this little girl is going is, is gonna to be in the right place and that she's not going to be traumatized any more than what she is. Right now, she just turned five, um, and so that's the situation. Nancy, I remember oh, your call very, very well, um, and, I, and yeah. I remember you were sharing with me at that time about the circumstances, and you were sharing with me about the difficulties with the, the other family members in helping out with this, because I believe, if I, if I recollect the call correctly, your sister was sick at that time, um, am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. That I, I remember very, very well. And our heart breaks, you know, when we see these situations happening to children, you know, because that, that sense of security is absolutely so very important, uh, for them, uh, for that emotional stability that is necessary, uh, to develop, uh, you know, according to the way in which God would have them develop, according to uh, health, you know, emotionally, psychologically, physically, and spiritually. Uh, and so I, uh, I, I will take the whole situation into Mass with me today uh, and, and, and offer uh, prayers, obviously, for all of this. You can stay on the line if you want. We're going to go to a break here. Uh, but I know that God's got a perfect plan in mind for this little girl. And uh, sometimes, you know, the, the situations of the world um, thwart that plan because God does not impose his will upon us, just as we're reading about. Uh, but I do know that he often writes straight with crooked lines. And even though there's been this confluence of situations and circumstances that have occurred, it doesn't mean that um, all is lost. So hang on there, Nancy. Uh, when we come back from the break, we'll pray together on the air. Looking forward to hearing from all of you, too. Those of you that are holding, please continue to hold. I'm going to get to you. We'll get there right after the break, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Stay with us. The Women of Grace phone lines are open, 1-833-288-EWTN, 1-833-288-3986. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Women of Grace Live. I'm Johnette Williams. Very happy to be with you today. Looking forward to hearing from you. I certainly am. Let me give you that toll-free number, 
EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Also available for you out there at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Simply use the chat feature, put in your question, comment, insight, inspiration, or word of encouragement. Michael McCall will retrieve it and he'll get it up on the board. It's Matthew Gubensky who's answering the phones today. Be sure to give him a big old howdy, yay. Rich Jesse Manning the controls. If you are a first-time caller or a first-time submitter, we want to know. I'll ring my bell for you to welcome you for your debut right here on Women of Grace Live. Do want to send you out to our website. Uh, just go on out to womenofgrace.com. All kinds of good things happening. I've been reminding you about the online webinar that's coming up with Father Chris Alar on February 27th. I think that's Tuesday, if I advance the days correctly. Uh, it's going to be in the evening. Uh, we were talking about Faustina, St. Faustina. We were talking about Jesus and his image of divine mercy a little earlier on. And that is what this webinar is all about. Dive into the divine mercy image, a deep exploration. Father Chris is going to really reveal to us, I think, and discuss with us the great symbolism that is contained within this icon, uh, the great theological truths that are expressed in it by way of the image itself. Uh, we know much about it already, but he's going to take us into some of the the, the, the more, I, I think, subtle uh, messages that are there for us by way of this image. It's going to be quite exciting. I can honestly tell you it's going to be great. Perfect thing for us to consider during this Lenten season. Uh, I think that it will help you to enter more deeply into the great gift that is ours by way of the passion, death, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of that Paschal mystery says one thing, God loves you. And this divine mercy image says the same thing to you. God loves you. And there's nothing that you can do and nothing that you've ever done that can rob you of God's love for you. It is an eternal love, an everlasting love, and he sent his son just for you. We want to respond to that love. We want to move into that love, and we want to let that love move into us. That has transforming power. That is what brings us joy in the midst of sorrow and suffering. So anyway, all of that coming up with Father Chris Alar on February the 27th. It starts at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, and it goes to 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. I, I think you are going to be much blessed by it. So anyway, all of that, get out to our website. You can sign up right there. Other events are coming up as well. You can read about them there. We've got uh, the Seasons of the Soul, Women of Grace book study starting on March the 4th, a beautiful book study. Sue Brinkman leads them. She does a great job. March 16th, there's a Lenten Morning of Grace in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. If you're in that area, you're certainly going to want to read about that and sign up for it can sign up for everything right at our website. Uh, and there's more that's going on uh, as, as we move through the year. And uh, April 22nd, of course, big, big thing going on there. Uh, the Benedictine Institute for Women is going to be presenting our spring week-long immersive, Who is Woman? The Journey from Eve to Mary. It's going to be beautiful. It uh, works towards a certification in Catholic women's leadership. All of the information for you at our website. You can just click on Benedictine Institute in the navigational bar and uh, you can read all about this wonderful institute going right back to the phone lines nancy's with us uh so nancy as i was sharing with you before i remember uh, i remember your call i i remember you know the the uh, 
concern uh, that really soaked your voice uh, as we were speaking about this situation. I hear it again. So before I let you go, uh, realizing, of course, that I will be praying for Ariana and for all of you, that you can make, you know, the family can come to a, a judicious decision, a prudent one for the child and for all of you. Let's just say a prayer now. So Father God, we come before you in this moment and we lift back up to you the entirety of the situation. Of course, at the center of the situation is this little child, Lord God, who was created in your image and likeness, this little child, Lord, whom you've loved into life, this little child, Father God, that even given the circumstances of her birth and the various kinds of things that have unfolded around her, uh, you have a perfect plan for her and a perfect mission for her. And so, Father, even in this wind of change that is coming back to this situation again, I ask, Father, that you would imbue this little girl with a sense of your holy presence. I ask you, Mary, our mother, to take this child into the folds of your garment, into the folding of your arms. I ask that you hold her close to your most immaculate heart, that, Mother, you continue to be this tremendous gift to her that holds her in good stead for upcoming changes that may happen or for the swirl of of experiences that she might have as they unfold during this time. Father God, I pray for the entirety of this family, Nancy and all of her family members, her brother-in-law, her her sisters, all of whom want to make a way for this little girl in this world. They're of a certain age, Father God, you know, and yet you see the beauty and the desire of their heart for this child's benefit. Father, there's nothing impossible with you, nothing. There's nothing impossible with you. And so it is that I ask that in the midst of this, they would be given, first of all, that hope and that faith that what might seem impossible is not and that you are working all things to the good. But also, Lord, too, that you inspire them through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit on what is the proper, most reasonable decision according to your plan and will for this child. Let them be open. Let them be receptive. Father God, let them be submissive to the direction in which you guide them. Father, we offer this prayer to you in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the merits of his cross, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and with the maternal beatitude and intercession of our Blessed Lady. Amen. And I, just just a, a word, Nancy, that I, I seem to feel in my heart as I was praying, was that the most expedient decision is not always the best decision. So I don't know if that means anything to you, but I'm offering it to you nonetheless. I'll be praying for you, yeah. Nancy. Well, you know what? I wanted to tell you uh, one other thing. Sure. Um, her, her mother, uh, that was the drug addict, she actually passed away January 27th. Of, of this, this year? year? Oh, goodness. Of this year, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Father God, we pray for the repose of the soul of, of uh, Ariana's uh, mother. Uh, we pray, Father God, your abundant mercy be upon her, and also for the passing of Nancy's sister. Uh, we we pray for the repose of her soul. Uh, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and may the perpetual light shine upon them. May their soul 
and the souls of all the faithful departed. Through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. Thanks, Nancy. You know what? Can you just give me some advice about this, like how to how this would be handled? Uh, you know, does she, she, you think she's going to need psychological Help well, along the way. Well, what, we're, well, we're we're praying for protection against that. You know, as I was saying at the beginning of the of the call, there the uh, children. You know, one of the most important things for children to experience as they're growing and developing, uh, and as their children, is that sense of security. That comes by way of stability uh, in a, in a, in an environment where they're loved. And so, this little girl has experienced a lot of shifting uh, and and a lot of changes. So we pray for her protection. We pray, uh, you know, we pray that, uh, you know, there's a divine layer of grace that insulates her against the, the buffeting that happens um, just naturally uh, by way of uh, tumultuous situations. So, you know, um, if, if, if she's stabilized where she is and, and she's thriving, you know, with your brother-in-law, then, you know, it seems as though that might be a remaining option. Um, he probably feels uh, inadequate because he is a man and, and, and women with that beautiful maternal beatitude that is theirs. Um, you know, women are, 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 are the, the primary influence early in a child's life. Uh, and so, you know, that's been taken away twice from her, from this little girl now. Uh, but, you know, this is a decision that I can't really advise you on other than for all of you to talk and be prayerful about it and, and maybe to, um, you know, ask, uh, have a mass prayed for this special intention that you would all be able to come to a viable option for this child. Uh, and I know one of the, you know, concerns was, if I, if I remember our conversation from last year, um, you know, one of the, you, you all didn't want this child to end up in social services. And, you know, that, I think that that was a concern, uh, given the fact that your sister was sick, but, but so far so good. So I think God's using the family unit to provide for her. But again, that has to be something that you all work through together. Uh, it's beautiful that your sister who uh, is not as spry as she once was is willing to participate, but she would also need help and assistance. Uh, you know, and there's many children that have been raised by extended family members, uh, you know, who come together and, and cooperate in the raising of the child. Uh, I, that, that I, I know that from personal experience in my own life, people that I've known like that. So I, I would encourage you all to see how you can work this out to, with the child at the center, you know, the child at the center, her welfare being the most important. Uh, so what is best for her and how can you all help uh, to, uh, to acquire that for her? So all right. Thank you. uh, Thank you're you welcome, so sweetheart. I'll be praying for you. And, and I'm sure that so many of our listeners will too. So listeners, please do remember Nancy and her family. They're wanting to do the best by this little girl. Uh, and sometimes, you know, the, the, sometimes it's the, the best is obscured. You know, we don't see it quickly, but we persevere, right, until we have it. And Faustina gives us that indication in her diary today, right? Uh, in difficult moments, I will fix my gaze upon the silent heart of Jesus, stretch upon the cross, and from the exploding flames of his merciful heart will flow down upon me power and strength to keep fighting. So I think that that word's for you, Nancy. Um, everyone needs to be prayerfully attentive uh, 
praying for the situation and the light will come. The light will come and there will be an accord with all of you. I feel confident of that. All right, we're going to uh, go to Georgia. Georgia is in Vancouver, British Columbia today out there on YouTube. How are you, Georgia? Hi, Jeanette. Um, I'm in a car. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Okay, I'm driving to work. Um, the, the, I'm, I'd like to know about fasting. Um, okay. If you could please, please talk about it um, more during that time. But I don't understand when uh, Jesus says that um, the bridegroom is uh, with his apostles and they can't fast. But after the bridegroom is taken away, he uh, they will be able to fast. Can you please explain that to me? Well, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. A lot of these beautiful, uh, you know, a lot of these beautiful uh, words from sacred scripture have layers and layers and layers of meaning. And of course, Jesus is not saying that we don't fast, right? Uh, he tells us, as a matter of fact, in Matthew 6, verses 16 and 18, how it is that we should fast and not fast, right? Uh, he tells us that when we fast, you know, we don't want to make ourselves look sad. The hypocrites do that. We don't want everybody to know that we're fasting. We want to fast in secret. Uh, so he is not clearly not opposed to fasting, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, he, and, and this is really the statement that you're bringing up really is in response to the Pharisees. Um, and it uh, Jesus says, uh, John's disciples, like the disciples of the Pharisees, uh, he's being questioned here. John's disciples, like the disciples of the Pharisees frequently fast and pray, but your disciples eat and drink. So once again, these are hypocrites that are trying to trap our Lord. They were trying to trap him all of the time. So they're pointing out and they're saying, Hey, wait a second. Look at John's disciples. They're, they're fasting. Look at the Pharisees. They 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 fast. Their disciples fast. But you, yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, you cannot make wedding attendants fast when the bridegroom is with them, can you? And what he's saying here is that, it, one, it's an identification of who he is. But in addition to that, he's saying, I am here and I am feeding them with my word. So these are the layers of meaning. They're talking about fasting in the um, physical sense of fasting, fasting from food, right? F fasting from certain behaviors, you know, um, and, 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 he, and, and Jesus is, is gently excoriating <laughs> those that fast for public display so that people say, look how holy they are. They're fasting. Look at all of that. He says, no, when you fast, you pray, you, you fast privately, you know, don't look sad. You know, this is an offering to the Lord. Actually, there should be joy in it, right? But what he is saying here back in response to those that are trying to trip him up, what he's saying is he is feeding them. He is feeding them. Uh, and of course, we're going to see the fulfillment of that at the Last Supper uh, when he, uh, when he uh, changes uh, uh, water into wine or wine into his precious blood and he changes, uh, you know, the bread into his precious body, right? Uh, so we're going to see that. There's, there's that kind of a foreshadowing there. But in addition, he's saying he's feeding them. He's feeding them with the gospel. He's talking about feeding and nourishing their soul. So he takes something that is, is meant to trip him up and he turns it into something that talks about uh, the way in which he, who is the God man, interacts with his disciples, with his followers. And he says the same to us. So uh, there, you know, it, it sounds like, oh, well, what, is, what could that possibly mean? Well, that is one meaning for what it is that he is saying. Does that help you? 
Yeah, it does. Um, uh, Pope Francis just said, um, I read somewhere, that uh, instead of uh, fasting for meat on Friday, um, you can fast from other stuff, you know, whatever. I'm I'm still fasting from meat on Fridays. Um, But uh, he was saying that, you know... And and Georgia, let me just interject. That is true with the exception of Lent. We fast from meat on Fridays in Lent. And we have two days that we call, you know, a black fast. And that is Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Uh, And that is where, you know, the two small meals that we eat, uh, breakfast and lunch, or wherever it is that we take, uh, you know, our our smaller meal. Some people have it in the evening and they eat their larger meal at lunch. But that the the, the largest meal, um, uh, the two small meals... uh, do not equal the uh, the larger meal. In other words, the larger meal is is uh, is uh, <laughs> what am I trying to say here? I'm getting myself lost in my own words. Uh, so the two smaller meals, um, uh, the larger meal does not. It, all of the meals are less, but we have just two small meals and one larger meal, and and we fast from from meat on that day. I don't think I did a good job on that. I'll have to get online and read it and read from it. But uh, anyway, I wanted to just clarify that while it is during the rest of the year, we can offer something other than meat on the Friday. Uh, the church isn't saying we shouldn't use uh, abstaining from meat as as a penitential practice on Fridays. Uh, but they're saying, you know, if, if we're fasting with no intentionality of heart, does the fast really count? If we're doing it because we're checking off a box, you know, that's not the right disposition of heart. So when that was changed, it was to try to help us to develop a deeper interior sense of, of fasting. So, you know, some people uh, choose to fast meat and, and some other ways of, of uh, self, uh, you know, uh, deprivation and other people uh, choose uh, not to fast from the meat, but to do something else instead. So go ahead. I just wanted to clarify that. No, that was good. Thank you. Um, can you please, uh, during Lent, uh, maybe do some more quotes from the saints on fasting? Um, I am struggling with some some stuff. I I understand um, uh, to fast from things that I like more, you know. So if I can get uh, give that that up for Jesus, you know, sure. and uh, as you know, and uh, even to know more about mortification. You know uh, what that means. I don't understand what mortification means, really. I think it means to dine to yourself, right? Which is fasting, right? Well, that's one way. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, just let me just say this to you, Georgia. I, I am so pleased by your questions. Uh, you know, what you're asking here just is an indication of, of the work of the Holy Spirit in you. I want you to know that. The very fact that you desire to 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 fulfill what Holy Mother Church teaches uh, is is beautiful. The fact that your desire uh, to grow in relationship with our Lord and to do His will is is beautiful. Uh, and the fact that you want to be as exacting as you can possibly be because you want to be an obedient child of God, lived out through the Church that is unfounded, is beautiful. Um, so. I do have, uh, let me just uh, state more clearly what the Ash Wednesday and Good Friday fasting rules are. Uh, We are to eat only one full meal and two smaller meals, which combined would not equal a single normal meal. So 
That's your two small meals put together do not equal a single morning meal. Uh, and we are permitted to eat one full meal and of course, no meat. So let's talk a little bit about, about uh, you know, saints and fasting. I'll look up some quotes for you. So you keep listening and, and uh, hopefully I will get to them on Monday. I'll make a little note to do so. Uh, but in addition to that, mortification, um, mortification uh, is, comes to us in two ways. There's passive mortification and active mortification. Passive mortification is God using the circumstances of our life to affect uh, a dying to self, a dying to self and an opening to his will. So when we hit up against obstacles and situations and trials, when we have reversals in life, sadnesses, when we lose a loved one, uh, you know, these are things that are going to happen normally in life. But when we are attentive to the will of God, God permits these things because he wants to work a great good out of them. And the great good that he works out of them is our purification and sanctification if we, in fact, embrace the trial and for the period of time that the trial lasts, we attach that trial to the sufferings of Christ. We allow Jesus, in a sense, to suffer through us in that moment. So that is mortification. We, we are mortifying or dying to self, right? Uh, we're in pain and we're struggling, but we're offering that pain. We're not reveling in that pain. We're offering it to the Lord. We're not looking for, uh, for uh, we're not pitying ourselves. We're not looking for the pity of others will accept and receive the consolation, uh, but we're not making a display of ourselves to acquire that. That's passive mortification. God uses our passive mortifications or these uh, reversals, if in fact we're open to it. Active mortification is engaging in practices such as fasting that help for us to die to self. And when the passive purifications come, to understand the great good that can be wrought out of them. So fasting is one way, at little sacrifices through the day that we might do. Uh, some people, you know, will actually, uh, 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 you know, uh, sacrifice uh, saying a word or, or holding off on a drink of water when they're really thirsty for just a few extra minutes. There's all kinds of ways that we can practice mortification in an active fashion during Lent. Obviously, that is what fasting is meant to do. It's not fasting for the sake of it. It's fasting to die to self and, and receive more of the Lord. Sorry I didn't get to all of you today. God bless you. Bye-bye now.